Welcome to this week's episode of the North Bible Church Podcast. Now, let's join our pastor as we open God's Word together. I appreciate you, Taylor. Thank you, sir. Thanks for pointing out my new shoes. They're very white, if you can't, if you can't already tell. My name is Wes, associate pastor here at North. It's good to be worshiping with you online or, and in person today. And so, uh, Jay's not here. He's out of town, so... I can do whatever I want, because he said uh, I get to do this sermon. So we're going to start off a little bit differently than normal. Um, so in a moment, I'm going to pray. And after um, I pray, I'm going to just open it up for you guys to shout out some, some answers. And here's what, here's what I would like to hear from you, just some feedback. Uh, some words or phrases or verses from this passage that have just stuck out to you. Uh, that maybe has challenged you, maybe has encouraged you, maybe has convicted you, uh, but it's something from this uh, passage on Ephesians of called being the church. Uh, just, just a word or a short phrase, I'm not looking for a long answer, but short phrase um, of just what this, this series has meant to you, something that's, that's jumped out to you. So I'm going to pray, pray over the opening of God's word, pray over the rest of our, our service today. And then I'd uh, love to have you raise your hand. I'll call on you, and we'll hear some responses as we go forward. I got to just thank you that we get to be here. Uh, we celebrated uh, communion and just that reminder of who you are in our life, Jesus. And um, as we continue to open up your word um, through Ephesians, I talk about being the church. Allow us to, as individuals, as well as families, and collectively as the body of Christ, uh, we remember folks around the world uh, that are, are in Christ as well as the folks that are in this room online with us today. And so we just give you all the glory. Your name. Amen. Okay, so raise your hand and just, just give, give me a, a response, okay? Leanne? Uh, lead a life worthy of the calling to which you've been called. Lead a life worthy of the calling to, which you've been calling. to the calling to which you've been called. Yes, that's awesome. Thank you. Ben? One in Christ. Awesome. Very, very good. Dana? The importance of fellowship. Perfect. Who else? John? The in Christ. Yep, for sure. Yep, Catherine? The fullness of God. Sure. That's great. Anybody else? Nick? Always be willing to give, uh, always be ready to give testimony to the joy that is in your heart. Always ready to give uh, a testimony. Always be we- really ready to give a testimony to the joy that is in your heart. Awesome, the joy that is in your heart. Very cool. Anybody else? Anybody going to get home and be all like, ah, I had that thing, I wanted to say it, but I just didn't say it. Anybody going to have any regrets? Hmm? All right, that, that's a great list. Thank you so much. It, I, yes, Rick. No, I'm just a little slow. You're a little slow, I know. That's awesome. Thank you. What, what passage was that? Ephesians 2.8. For those of you that couldn't hear that online, you can go to Ephesians 2.8 and read that. It's a great reminder. I think it's important to hear uh, from others, you know, what the Lord is stirring up in, 
in our hearts. It's like what Proverbs talks about, iron sharpening iron, and so it's, it's interesting to hear different perspectives. So I'd encourage you guys, if you're not already doing this, you know, grab a family member or a friend and just sit down and say, you know, what's the Lord uh, teaching you through this series? Some of the things that have jumped out to me, because um, I get the microphone and I get to share a little bit more with you today, but May 16th, uh, it was said that God has created in us a need to rest in identity. And that just struck me that it is by design that we are created to want an identity, to, to need an identity, and to rest in that. Of course, we want that identity to be in Christ and not in anything of this world. May 30, uh, our identity in Christ is a union between all people in him. And so we talked about the differences between the Jews and the Gentiles. They could not have been more different in every aspect of their life, and yet in Christ they are one. June 20th, uh, we live in obedience, not because we owe God. Instead, we obey because we trust God, and out of our relationship with him, we submit to him our plans. And then last week, June 27th, um, we work out our freedom in Christ as we take off the old self and we put on the new self. Today's passage is Ephesians 5, 1 through 14. And before I get into that, I want, just, want to just remind you of the context in which Paul is writing this letter. He's writing this letter to the Ephesians, or the people that were in Ephesus, Paul spent two different times in Ephesus. He had some pretty crazy experiences while he was there. And then fast forward two years after he's out of Ephesus, he is in Rome, and he's actually been captured. He's been put in prison, and he writes this letter from prison to Ephesus where he had these experiences. And what he experienced in Ephesus was he gathered 12 disciples while he was there. Uh, he was preaching in the temples, and actually, his teachings were not well-received at first. They were rejected. But over time, he started gathering more and more, and the disciples started gathering more. And these large crowds began following Paul and his disciples and his teachings on the gospel and what the kingdom was supposed to look like. And these crowds, this, you know, all this energy that was happening really you know, ruffled the feathers of the powers that be. Ephesus was a religious hub. People came there to seek spirituality, to seek religious experiences. And the powers that be were making a lot of money off of these people who were wanting these spiritual experiences. They were selling idols in the name of these lowercase gods. And this angered those people, and so they tr basically tried to gather everyone up who was a part of Paul and this movement and these disciples, and they wanted to take them down. And Paul actually wanted to address the crowds. He wanted to go to them and say, you know, this is why I'm doing what I'm doing. And his friends were like, no, shouldn't do that. Even some of the people who were in power, uh, who had, you know, been converted, following Jesus, uh, said, you know what, you probably shouldn't address the crowds. It's too dangerous. And Paul left Ephesus, of course, two years later, he's in Rome, and he writes this letter back to the Ephesians. And one of the things that he was writing against was this worldly, self-centered, uh, corrupt, in many ways, of the people living their old self and not living their new 
self. You can basically break Ephesians down into two parts. There's six chapters in Ephesians. The first three uh, chapters kind of tell the gospel story. It kind of sets the stage for, for who God is, who Christ is, uh, and in this world. And then the chapters four through six, which we're in today, is our story. So you have the first half that's the gospel story, and then you have our story or our response to it. In other words, Paul gives us the why or the indicative, and then he gives us the what or the imperative. Every imperative or command that we find in Scripture is always followed by the indicative or the why or the reason for the command. Other religions and even our own natural desires uh, kind of go the reverse order. We kind of want to look at what am I supposed to do, and then I'll define myself based on what I've done. And in Jesus' gospel, he does that the opposite way. He says who you are in Christ first, and then he wants a response from us. So we're going to look at this passage today, but I want, to, I want you to keep uh, something in mind as we, as we go. Uh, there are many imperatives or commands that we're going to read in this scripture today, but, I, but they are to only be seen as a response to our relationship to Christ. They are not meant to be a moral checklist. Uh, they are not meant to divide people into categories of good or bad, or good or evil, or better than or less than. They are not to bring out needless shame and guilt. They are meant to be seen as the character of God that we are asked to join in and celebrate because of what grace has done for us as children of God. Uh, interestingly, I was at Buffalo Wild Wings uh, this week and I was studying. I had my laptop out and I was typing and, <clears throat> you know, because Buffalo Wild Wings has great brain food for sermons. I've got the pretzels and cheese. I always get an extra cheese because I eat so much of it. So I'm sitting there with my, my pretzel and cheese, and, and my server's name was Kelly. And I just said, hey, Kelly, I'm doing a sermon for Sunday. And she's kind of like, oh, okay. I was like, can I ask you a random question? And she's like, shoot, go for it. I was like, be honest if you're willing to do so. What, do you, what comes to your mind when you hear the phrase, being the church? Like, first, first thing that comes to your mind when you hear that phrase, and she goes, family. I was like, okay. It's like, do you mind expanding on that? And she said, I believe family is our foundation in life. And if we live like the church should be lived, at the foundation of it all, we will be family. And I was like, maybe you should be preaching on Sunday, Kelly. That's really good. I thought her perspective was right on. We get to because of who Jesus is and because of the new self, the new creation that we have, we get to live as family with our Father in heaven. So, Ephesians 5, 1 through 14, let's take a look at the, the entire passage here. Follow God's example, therefore, as dearly loved children, and walk in the way of love just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. But among you there must not even be a hint of sexual immorality or of any kind of impurity 
or of greed, because these are improper for God's holy people. Nor should there be obscenity, foolish talk, or coarse joking, which are out of place, but rather thanksgiving. For of this you can be sure, no immoral, impure, or greedy person, such a person is an idolater, has any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. Let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of such things, God's wrath comes on those who are disobedient. Therefore, do not be partners with them. For you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Live as children of light, for the fruit of the light consists in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. And find out what pleases the Lord. Have nothing to do with fruitless deeds of darkness, but rather expose them. It is shameful even to mention what the disobedient do in secret. But everything exposed by the light becomes visible, and everything that is illuminated becomes a light. This is why it is said, Wake up, sleeper, rise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Now there's a lot there. Uh, but I do believe the main focus of this passage is on verses 1 and 2, where Paul says, Follow God's example, therefore, as dearly loved children, and walk in the way of love, just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. Our life as a follower of Jesus is to be like the Father, to live as his child, doing what he does. His way is the way of love. Jesus believed in his Father so absolutely that he suffered death on the cross. Now think about that. Put yourself in Jesus' shoes. You're a child, you're Jesus, and you're told you're going to save all of humanity, and you're going to do some really great things. You are the I Am. You are God's Son. Now, if I'm not, I'm not Jesus, but I, if I was Jesus, I'd be all like, hmm. Like I look in the mirror, and I'm like, I look like everyone else, talk like everyone else, yet these people say that I am something, I'm God's son, that I'm the Savior for all of humanity. Can you imagine what he would have to do in his heart and in his mind to fully embrace that, believe that, and you know, do the teachings, do the healings, and ultimately die on a cross for what his Father in heaven has asked him to do. Even go to a cross for people, for the entire world. He went to the cross for the people who put him on the cross. He went to the cross for people who deny him. He went to the cross for people who hurt others. He went to the cross for people who just need undeserved grace. Jesus had to believe in that plan enough to die for it. That's why uh, we are being asked here by Paul to walk in the way of love just as Christ loved us. The bar is ridiculously high because it's God's character we are to emulate. We are to do these things in love like children who emulate their father. Now, I'm a dad. I have four amazing kids. I love being a dad. It's one of my greatest pleasures in life. I had great parents. I have a great family. Um, I do a lot of things instinctively that, my mom, that I saw my mom and dad do. 
I don't say to myself, oh, this is how I'm going to handle this situation because this is how my dad did this. Or something. I just kind of do it in many instances. And that's what my kids do with me. Uh, sometimes that's scary, uh, that they would emulate the things that I would do, and sometimes I think that's really great. So here's, here's Joseph, and this is our youngest. He's 11. Um, he takes on my goofiness and silliness and sense of humor. We're at a friend's house the other night, and he found these eyeball things, apparently, and just walked in the room blind because he, you know, he had those on, and he kind of just stands there, and we laugh and take a picture, and then he just runs away. He, he takes that on for me. That is, a, that is something that he likes to do because of what he sees in me, partially. And this is Eric. Uh, he has a boldness and a strength of will about him. Uh, recently, he got some braces, and uh, he had decided that purple and yellow bands would be what he would wear on his braces. There's no getting him off of those colors. No matter how you try to explain that those colors don't really go together, doesn't matter. He had decided, and he was bold, and he was just going to go forth in that. He gets that a lot of ways from me. Uh, this is Bryson. He's in the white shirt there. He's standing next to his buddy Ryan, who's in orange. And he takes on my desire for uh, social interaction, for conversation, for talking, and for dialogue. And you hardly ever see Bryson without a friend or three. And this is Cassidy, uh, here with her boyfriend, Big Mike. And she has an adventurous spirit. Just this desire to go and experience things like I do. Of course, this is a couple weeks ago in Guatemala with a, you can see the volcano kind of erupting in the background. It was a great adventure for, for our family. But she has this adventurous spirit, and she gets that for me in many ways. Now, all these traits, you know, that are, that are modeled that I just mentioned have their positive qualities. They also have their weaknesses, uh, goofiness can be a distraction from what's going on in a certain situation, or maybe even provide comfort when you feel insecure. Uh, a strength of will can become stubbornness if you allow it to. Uh, communication or verbal skills can sometimes dominate a social interaction and may not lead to listening like it could. And then a sense of adventure and always looking for the next thing can sometimes turn into a lack of contentment with what's going on in your current life. But as children of God the Father, who is perfect, we are to be imitators of him. And he gives us the perfect example in his son, Jesus, his son's life, teachings, and death that we see. And God calls this new to a new self. Ephesians 4.24 says, take off the old self and put on the new self. There is an important distinction that we see this in verses 8 through 13. I'm going to read this part again for us. For you were once darkness, but now you are the light in the world. Live as children of light. For the fruit of the light consists in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. And find out what pleases the Lord. Have nothing to do with fruitless deeds of darkness, but rather expose them. It is shameful even to mention what the disobedient do in secret, but everything exposed by the light becomes visible, and everything that is illuminated becomes a light. Paul doesn't say that our old self does dark things. Paul doesn't say that our 
old self can bring some darkness to certain situations. Paul actually says, you were darkness. Period. But in Christ, because of our new identity, we not only shed some light into certain situations or bring some light to dark places, we are literally light. We go from darkness to light. Because we are literally light, that's why Paul charges us with these imperatives that we have today. This is why he challenged the Ephesians and for us to live differently. If we are children of God, everything changes. We are one body, one spirit, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, and one God. That is why the ways of the dark should no longer be acted on, uh, celebrated, or even spoken of. Our passage today addresses the old self versus the new self, and many of this we see in verses 3 through 7. The old self is darkness. The new self is light. We are to take off the old self. We are to not, no longer be slaves to sin, and we are to put on the new self, our freedom in Christ. The old self is lies, and the new self, truth. The old self, anger, and the new self, peace. Old self, theft, and the new self, generosity. The old self, gossip, and the new self, encouragement. The old self, revenge, and the new self, forgiveness. The old self, sexual immorality, and the new self, self-control. The old self, drunkenness, and the new self, living in God's spirit. We are to live as our new selves. That's why he even says in verse 12, it's shameful even to mention what the disobedient do in secret. Now here's why I think Paul says this. How we speak matters. What we think about matters. What we listen to matters. What entertains you? What do you think about? What do you listen to? How do you spend your time? What we consume and talk about usually leads us to action. What we think about, what we muse about, what we dream about usually takes us to some action, whether it be good or bad, healthy or harmful. I used to come home from college and um, from, from Ohio to Maryland where my parents lived at the time and there was this lake nearby our house that we would like to go run around. My dad and I were jogging one day, just kind of, you know, trying to do some exercise. And we're going around this lake several times, and the first time we came around this, this corner, there's a kind of a big grassy field there. And there were a bunch of geese, like a hundred geese hanging out. I would call that a flock of geese, but that's not correct. It's a gaggle. You're welcome. So there's, we come around the corner, there's this field of a gaggle of geese, and they see us and they immediately all fly up into the air. And they you're, you know, go into the trees and different areas, and, and not until like 30 seconds after we're past you, they kind of start slowly making their way down into this field. Well, yeah, yeah, that was interesting. The next time we, we came by, 
kind of turned that corner. There's the grass. All the geese are there. They kind of saw us and flew up into the air like four or five feet. Just hung there for a little bit and then went back down to their spot. The third time we came around, they saw us and they kind of just like walked a few feet away from us. The fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh time, they just basically looked at us and were like, eh. They didn't move. Ten feet away, a bunch of them didn't move. And I think that illustrates perfectly that at times, familiarity with a thought or an idea or something that, that we think about, listen to, talk about, that familiarity is inviting something into our lives and ultimately leads to action. Those geese were more familiar with us every time we came by to where they were extremely comfortable with us being there. I think at times we become so familiar with certain things and we become too familiar and comfortable with them that we invite them into our lives and they end up being harmful things for us to think about or to do. And the best way I know how to, to illustrate this is my anger. If I have something, you know, some situation I'm angry about or some person that I'm angry with, what I do with that thought or that anger, you know, it's not, a, it's not a sin to be angry, but it's what you do with that anger, right? And so if you, if you think about that situation and you kind of mull it over in your head and you get a little pleasure from maybe that person experiencing something that they wouldn't enjoy and you kind of just like tease the idea of you know this is what I would say in this conversation and you just kind of you just kind of play with that anger you let it fester you let it build one I would say that that is already harmful and sinful to to do that play out those scenarios and to think about maybe the anger you have towards someone or harm that would come upon someone but then how many times does that become an actual something that you do. You respond to that person differently because of what had happened on the inside. And that's what Paul is talking about here. It is shameful even to mention what the disobedient do in secret because what we think about, what we listen to, what we talk about a lot of times leads us to action. So what are the things that you have allowed too close to your heart? What are the things that you have mused about, dreamed about, thought about, entertained in your heart and in your mind that one is, may already be harmful, but two may lead into some sort of action. What should you be thinking about instead? Verse 14 says this. Paul says, this is why it is said, wake up, sleeper, rise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Now, Paul says this is why it is said, uh, but we don't actually have a whole lot of evidence that, that a lot of people were saying this, but we just have to trust that you know, people were, were saying this. It could be an excerpt from Isaiah 61, where it says, Arise, shine, for the light has come, and the glory of the Lord rises upon you. So this is Paul's warning for people to turn from the old self and to, to turn to the new self, to encourage people to submit their lives to that peace, to that comfort, and to that Holy Spirit. And, to, and then to live accordingly. Now, if we only look at this passage as a list of do this, 
or do that, or don't do this, or don't do that. Uh, as one pastor cleverly put it, uh, that is doo-doo Christianity, and doo-doo Christianity stinks. It's not a moral checklist. It's out of the flow of our relationship, out of the, the new self, the childlike uh, wonder that we have as we have a Father in heaven who models this for us. Now, maybe this passage is challenging. Maybe it's convicting to you. Maybe there's some of these areas where you're going, yeah, I'm, I'm falling short in that area. I'm definitely failing in that area. Maybe these do's and don'ts are too difficult for you to keep right now. I would encourage you to go back to the beginning of the passage where it says that God sees us as his child. If we see ourselves as a child of God, we can approach these things, these commands, with the power and with his spirit. But if we see ourselves as maybe barely saved, or we see ourselves as just, yeah, I'm just trying to do my best. Or maybe you're uncertain about your, where your relationship stands with Jesus. It's going to be more difficult for you to live out these commands. But if we fully accept that we are sinners saved by grace and we are a new self, it helps us to trust in God's plan, his strength, and give us the freedom to live as Paul is asking us to live. Uh, Richard Koken in the book Ephesians for You uh, says it like this. The fundamental solution to immorality, impurity, and greed is nothing more complicated than thanksgiving. Because disobedience in Christians is generally caused to some degree by the spiritual amnesia of forgetting God's grace and then feeling sorry for ourselves and entitled to indulge in sinful appetites. That's exactly what Paul says is the solution in verse 4. He says, nor, nor should there be obscenity, foolish talk, or coarse joking, which are out of place, but rather, and here's the solution, thanksgiving. If we truly trust in God and see ourselves as his children, and our thankfulness is in him, we can live as we are asked to do in this passage. And it's going to be more fulfilling than anything else this world can offer. Koken goes on to say, all that God created was originally created for good. Every aspect of life that humans experience originally had God's blessing on it all. Work, sleep, play, relationships, marriage, and sex. When we become new and live in that way, all those are blessings in our life that we get to experience in our freedom in Christ. And it will be a celebration when we live that way. Let me pray. God, I thank you uh, what your word says today in Ephesians 5. And through thanksgiving and through recognition of that we are your children, living as our Father in heaven, that we get this life that is so much greater than anything else that the world can offer. Allow us to just step into that this week. In your name, amen. In just a moment, 
we'll rejoin our pastor for today's closing thoughts. But first, we wanted to thank you for tuning in. North Bible Church is located in Scottsdale, Arizona, and exists to equip all generations to love God, love one another, and love the world. For more information about North, please visit our website at northbiblechurch.com. Now, some closing thoughts from our pastor. Thanks, guys. So uh, we value prayer here at North. You can record your requests, put them in the uh, boxes on the way out. Also, you can give your offering there or online this morning. We have prayer partners over here that are wanting to pray with you if that's something that you want to take advantage of this morning. Um, to kind of conclude this morning, Paul had every reason not to be thankful. He suffered in, in many ways. His life was in danger much of the time. He wrote this letter from prison. He was frustrated with how the culture was responding. He was frustrated at times with how the church was responding. Yet, he says almost 50 times in his writings in, in Scripture to be thankful, to seek generosity. Our gratitude towards God is key to us living out as children of God. Paul also had every reason to doubt his own identity, doubt that he was the new self. He called himself the chief sinner. He literally was part of killing Christians. But Paul shows us how to recognize the lies from the truth, and that if we are to acknowledge the truth, as the new self, as a new creation in Christ, we are God's children. And if we are God's children, we can live in that way. Let's go out and live as the new self. I love you. We'll see you next week. Thank you for joining us for this week's message. North Bible Church is located in Scottsdale, Arizona and exists to equip all generations to love God, love one another, and love the world. For more information about North, please visit our website at northbiblechurch.com.